right up it's nailed a halo by halo journey through the music of nine inch nails i'm blake i'm jess and we are wearing matching sweatpants it's true we are we're very dressed up for the occasion they are our somewhat damaged sweatpants and as our friend katie says if they're somewhat damaged i hope they at least give a discount (laughs) that was the best joke ever made on the internet good job katie good joke and no we didn't get a discount i said Trent, do I get a discount? And he said, no, you don't. <laughs> That's not this episode, though. What is this episode? So we're still in our Fragile series. Fragile Summer mm-hmm. is Fragile Summer's waning, and Fragile Fall is waxing. Mm-hmm. Is, that what the, is that what that means? I think so. Like the moon waxes and wanes. Okay. It David wanes. <laughs> wax on, wax off. Anyway... So we're finally talking about the songs. If you're following along at home with your vinyl copy, um, it's disc one of three, side A. And if you just got the CD, it's tracks one through four. And if you're on cassette tape still, it's just the first four songs. (laughs) If you got MP3s, God help you. I don't don't know. If you're just streaming it, whatever. First four songs. Who cares? First four tracks. Who cares? Yeah. But yeah. Excited to finally, finally get deep into these songs. That's right. Before we get into those songs, though, let's talk about some any nine inch nine news? inch news. So everything is in the news today. So what do we got in the world of nine inch news? Other than we saw them twice in Red Rocks, they're touring still. Mm-hmm. They have a little smattering of dates that they've been playing. Mainly so far, it's been focused on. Cali. Well, the well, West. Okay, yeah, West. Oregon and yeah. California. Colorado, yeah. Yeah, and they for the Californians, the LA folk, they did. They a haven't few. played in LA yet. I think they only played at Santa Barbara so far. Uh, well, the the area. Look, yeah. I know nothing about the area, but it's all in the same general area, right? Yeah, sure. I don't know anything about California. I know there's the OC, and mm-hmm. I know there's there's the OC. There is. There's uh, a lot of fog in San Francisco. I've been there. There's I've Malibu. seen the frog. The frog. The frog. <laughs> I have seen the frog. Can we try that again? <laughs> no, no. Yes, we're, I have we're, seen We're pushing the fog. home. Okay, the fog. I've seen that fog. There is uh, really, 902. There's Beverly Hills. 90210. Melrose Place. There's Melrose Place. Yep. Um, there are gigantic uh, redwood trees. I've, I've seen those too. Mm. Um, people are going to turn it off, so I yeah, think we need to keep listen. going. Tonight, they're literally playing at, in Vegas as we're recording this, right? Mm-hmm. Cool. <laughs> I think someone said it was at where Britney Spears used to play. Ooh. Like her, it was her theater when she had like a residency in Vegas. Didn't she frankly? like, wasn't she about to announce a residency and then she ended up not doing it because of her health issues? I thought that was Adele. 
Mm, I think who it was canceled Brittany. a residency? I, I don't Brittany know. I don't keep. You know. Doesn't never matter. mind. I'm not gonna. Not my business. Not my business. I just don't keep up with Brittany like I should. I just watch her post her little dance videos and little nude post photos with emojis in appropriate spots. And I'm, I'm okay like, with. In other nine inch news, uh, they got new film scores coming out, right? Yeah. So there's. Um, is it the Bones and All movie with Timothee Chalamet? So yeah. So there's Bones and All. I'm okay with the way I said it. (laughs) (laughs) And then they also did the score for uh, the new Sam Mendes film called Empire of Light, which I didn't, I wasn't even aware that that he was still making movies. The last movie I saw of his was uh, Road to Perdition. That's what I was going to ask you. What's the last movie you saw by him? I saw Mm -hmm. that um, Revolutionary Revolutionary Road. That came after Road to Perdition. Yes. You didn't see that? No, I wanted to, but I never got around. Oh, wait, I lied. I saw Oh, wait. He makes the Bond movies. He's made some of the Bond movies. I haven't watched any Bond movies. Okay, well, that's what he's been up to. I've only seen parts of a couple Bond movies. I'm not a Bond person. I know he got into the Daniel Craig stuff. Maybe Daniel Craig hooked him up with Reznor and Ross via... The Fincher, be a David Fincher. Okay, okay. I'm going to see it now. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And that's how it happened. It, it's weird. He used to always do, this is weird that I know this, but he used to do uh, scores. He used to have Thomas Newman, I think is his name, score his movies. But Is that the guy who likes short people? No, that's Randy Newman. Oh. Is Thomas Newman his son or cousin or related? Probably. Nepotism I don't know. Somehow? I think they're spelled differently. Oh, okay. I could be wrong. I was about to say, I lied. The last Sam Mendes movie I saw was Away We Go, which I forgot oh, he made. I think I saw that. Did mm-hmm. that have I thought it Maya was Krasinski and Rudolph. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway. I was there for Maya Rudolph, but uh, I guess I'll, t- I'll tolerate Jim from The Office. Anyway. Anyway, yeah. So those are done. And I think both of the movies have premiered and will be out oh. for um, release this winter. I think one comes out in November and one comes out in December or October, November. I can't quite remember the dates, but that means we'll get the vinyl in about five years. That's what I was going to so. I was going to say, all I care about is where, where's the score on vinyl and also where's the mank on vinyl. Okay. We're never going to get the mank. I'm pissed. <laughs> <laughs> like, how do you just, how are you going to do that to us? Your loyal fans. I should have screamed that. I should have screamed that at Red Rocks. Where's the mank when we were in row six? Should have you just, know he would have heard We should have just started a chant of Mank. He's trying to talk about Taylor Hawkins, and I'm like, where's the fucking Mank? And everyone hates me. I would have been so humiliated. Yeah, I, <laughs> I would be the worst person in the world if I did that. Yeah. So those are those are in the can, man. And In the can. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else? The Q&A. The Rock oh, and Roll Hall yeah. of Fame. This the Nine Inch Nails Day. For fans. I wish that we could be there. Yeah. Some of our listeners will be there. Yeah. And I've said, I said uh, to one of them, I don't care how, I know how badly you want to do it. Don't plug the podcast. It'll seem tacky. And he said, okay, I really want to, but I guess I won't. No, no, no one was going to plug the podcast. No, don't do that. Um, yeah. So I guess just uh, if you're in the discordance, right, the Nine Inch Nails mm-hmm. Discord, and you had signed up in the uh, meetups channel in there. Um, then you were the meetups channel for Cleveland. Then you were automatically given the possibility of participating yeah. in the Q and A. So there's some, what question would you ask if you can only ask one? Cause there's like a million that need to be asked. Like where's the mank? Obviously. Where's the mank? Yeah. Um, I would probably just stick to the, 
God, I hate how you sprung this question on me. I would probably just do something stupid because I'd be really nervous. Yeah. Um, Remember that time? <laughs> that was no, I'd, awesome. I would. Yeah. <laughs> Remember that time you threw that mic stand and it, <laughs> it hit, hit Chris, Chris Renna? That was awesome. Almost killed him. That was awesome. <laughs> no, um, I'd probably just say something stupid like <laughs> boxers or briefs, guys. Oh my god. I don't know. Like I honestly, I'd have to really think about it long and hard. And you just sprung that up on I'm, me. So. No, no, that was mean of me. I'd probably be like, "Where's the fragile multi tracks? Where's the fragile five dot one mix?" <laughs> Questions from like ten years ago. I might ask, "Hey, uh, where's that nine inch nails leather jacket from the Down mm. in It video?" And may I have it? I bet it's been destroyed or something. I think or accidentally lost. I bet he has it. I bet it's gonna be what because they're also supposed to have memorabilia on Ooh. display. I would not be surprised if that's part that of the memorabilia. Amazing. Insert memorabilia here. The song. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so Q&A, Nine Inch Nails Day at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, I think with special events planned throughout the day, maybe, or yeah. piping out Nine Inch Nails tracks while you're exploring the museum, that kind of thing. One day we will take a pilgrimage <laughs> and see the mm -hmm. little display with the muddy Trent we will. statue. And then we'll go pick up our friend Katie in Baltimore, and we will go make a pilgrimage. <laughs> Is it Niagara Falls that has that weird Knight Trent Reznor wax statue? You know There's a Trent Reznor wax statue at Niagara Falls. Isn't that? It's like someplace weird where you would not expect it. I don't even know about, about this. Hold on. Oh, 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 oh. Kind of like a um, Madame Trousseau's. Yeah, but you know, not good. Wax. Yeah. And it looks really strange. Like we have Trent Reznor at home. Niagara Falls Wax Museum. Okay. So, so. it's like sub, sub Branson Wax Museum. Yeah. Yes, Branson has one. I've been there. And his wax figure is wearing a leather jacket, a black V-neck, a pair of shorts layered over, it looks like tights with polka dots and then combat boots. Can I see it? And then it says, there's a plaque and it says, Trent Reznor, closer, 1994. <laughs> closer. Can I see it? Yeah. Hold on. Okay. Yeah. That one was making the rounds. I, I probably posted it. We have Trent Reznor at home, et cetera. Kind of goofy looking. But, you know. Max, I mean, that's got to be hard to get made. right. So. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I think that's all I got for right now. Let's not belabor it. Give the people what they want to hear. Jess wrote, let's get into it on the outline. Let's go. So first track, Somewhat Damaged. This is the way the double album, The Fragile, opens. Yeah. So this one is written by Trent Reznor, and I believe Danny Lohner also gets a writing credit on yep. this one and is credited with additional guitars in the liner notes. I also went ahead and wrote down the Spotify plays for this one because I was like, ooh, what's going to be the most played yeah. um, track on Spotify? And this one has 8.2 million. It is, hold on one second, I'm checking to see if it's the highest played out of all the ones tonight, and it might be, but it's also the first track. Um, yeah, first track usually has an advantage in just pure numbers on Spotify. Yeah, a lot of my most played songs of the year on Spotify are usually track ones, just because yeah, you start an just, album and you might not finish it. completely lopsided that way. Yep, it is the most played out of the four tonight. 8.2 million plays. So what I want to talk about before you do your kind of... Blake's Clips Corner. That's right. Before you do your Clips Corner, um, it's just kind of the origin of Somewhat Damaged and how it evolved. 
from the initial demo. What we do know about Somewhat Damaged, according to Danny Lohner, is that it was written and demoed around the same time as The Perfect Drug. And I think Mulder said that whenever he met up with Reznor, like in the early production stages of the album, that they had one track ready and then they also had um, the uh, metal, the Gary Newman cover. Yeah. So that one track must be Somewhat Damaged, right? Maybe that's what he meant. Yeah, because it is one of the oldest... You know, ni- circa 97-ish. Yeah. So I do- I love that he gets into the recording mode again and the Gary Newman cover is one of the first things he does. I read somewhere that that was meant to be used in like an X- the X-Files soundtrack. Oh, weird. But then he had it pulled because Filter was going to be on it. And I don't know if that's oh a petty God. thing. I don't know what was happening there. Oh, other Nine Inch News that we forgot. Filter and Nine Inch Nails made up. <laughs> I feel like they have an on-again, off-again. It's a tourist thing. They're running each other hot and cold, Mm -hmm. you know. So I don't know if that's true or not. I'll do some more digging on that, but I read that somewhere, and I thought it sounded kind of gossipy, but I love gossip. Sure. Yeah. So I do want to play a clip, though, of um, Danny Lohner talking about this. Here he is. He's on the Sunday live chat with Kevin Key. Oh, skinny puppy. Mm -hmm. So in terms of the fragile... Trent was, so he's st- slowly putting together music and me and Clouser would be upstairs generating like beats for him to write over and doing anything we could to, uh, to help him out and, and to be involved. But I don't know how many songs he came up with or ideas for songs, but a shit ton, some of which never made the record. I don't know if he even talked about it, but uh, some stuff I think would have been great on the record, but he was generating all this material eventually the fragile started getting worked on and I know he had a concept. And once again, I, this is my perspective. I don't want to be like talking for Trent during any of this stuff, but Trent was like into Tom Waits bone machine, as I recall, and loving the idea of like, kind of like using some like uh, acoustic instruments, hybriding them with the electronics beyond just like heavy guitars and stuff like, he bought like violins. He bought all kinds of crazy shit. He didn't know how to play, but he can pick up any instrument and learn it in a minute. He's one of those cocksuckers. But uh, so that was like the concept, as I recall, as he started working on it. It's cut back though. I know that one thing we did do was the perfect drug uh, song. That was the first nail song we did in that studio before the fragile. And uh, we did a song called uh, somewhat damaged around the same time, which ended up being the first song on The Fragile. Uh, That version I had on cassette, which got eaten by my ex-wife's car, which I wish I still had because it was a different version, which I'm sure Trent has it on a DAT, but it didn't have, it was kind of like maybe more like the downward spiral than The Fragile, the way it sounded. Didn't have like the little clunky kind of like stringed instruments and shit. We went back for The Fragile and like replaced like uh, sounds with this concept Trent had where he wanted to use like a lot of, for lack of a better word, stringed instruments and things used in a weird way. Like like during Perfect Drug, there's the violin. So we went back and redid Somewhat Damaged. I wish I had that tape. It's like an ex-wives. So he said that they went back. Well, this is something they had to do with some of the older songs, right? I think we touched upon this, but they had to go back and make sure it fit like sound-wise because they were recorded so long ago so loner said that 
originally that version that his wife's tape player ate, mm-hmm. I'm guessing, uh, ex-wife's. Um, <laughs> yeah. That was why they got divorced. I'd, I'd divorce her too. I'm just you, Your car ate somewhat damaged original version? <laughs> um, so they had to go back and, and add these plinky plinkies, but he said that like the little the little strums, you know. Um, yeah, ukulele, but, mandolin, cello, whatever it is, all that stuff is. Yeah, but it sounded like downward spirally at yeah. first. Okay, so do you think that would sound more like how they play it live recently? Possibly, because they avoid all the, they sort of replace the chromatic strum of the, and we'll get into this, stringed instrument. Uh, the intern tells me it's a cello being strummed. For going that live, obviously they just do a, a synth sequence that goes mm-hmm. ding, 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 ding. It's reminiscent of entering the stage to now I'm nothing. Mm-hmm. All that to say that it's a little more synthetic, at least at least in that intro part. Yes. So maybe it sounded like that. Maybe it started with that rather than the plinkies and the strumming, and that's where they got the idea for the live version. Yeah. So that's that's version one, at least, right? So the first demo. Yeah. Um, and then if if Trent does have the DAT digital audio tape, <laughs> like Loner says there, idea for deviations too which is definitely coming soon, uh, put a somewhat damaged original version on there. Just an idea. Okay. So, um, and Alan Mulder was talking about how they had to make the changes to somewhat damaged to fit with the sonic themes of the fragile. So Mm -hmm. they had to get those organic-y stringed instruments that he wanted. Um, And sound on sound, he said... Uh, we did have to go back and pull it into line. It just sounded a little more old school Nine Inch Nails in terms of the drum pattern, the bass synthesizer, and the guitars. Trent wanted to play guitar on this album more than keyboards, and during the course of it, we'd evolved some pretty good guitar sounds, and his style had changed quite a degree, so we just put some of that on there. So there's that version, right? Yeah, and it shocks you kind of right out of the gate just how much more organic slash live instrument based this album is compared to the previous two yeah it's deceptive because it at like first blush you could think it was an entirely organic album then you dive deeper into it you're realizing there's almost no live drumming here it's again it's the downward spiral method of a lot of live drum hits sequenced but we'll get into that more later. Yeah. So when you're talking about the final version, though, because Somewhat Damaged was chosen to be the first track for sure for the mm-hmm. album, there were more changes that needed to be made. So this is from the Fragile Sessions journal entries that were posted on NIN.com. Um, on seven four ninety nine, the post says, we are in the final days and you can tell by the atmosphere in the studio, everyone avoids TR if possible. <laughs> wow. There's a short list of tasks left to complete before the final sequencing occurs, and next up is rethinking, which probably means rewriting, the end to SD. Somewhat damaged. Hmm. Everyone tentatively thinks it will open the record, so TR has decided to change the outro to better accommodate that position. He has rewritten the end lyrics to be much more confrontational than before. We'll see if they make the cut or not. The completed record is to be turned in in two weeks pressure live rehearsals have begun exciting times sounds turned in doing live rehearsals (laughs) turn in in two weeks we don't even have the sequence yet yeah so as the intern pointed out in like some of the notes he sent me for his research um 
there are those three versions, possibly, mm-hmm. of Somewhat Damaged, right? So the, the eaten car, car, tape, car tape, original demo. Destroyed. Yeah. The version... Version that has that a different has ending. That has a different... That was just changed, Where the ending I guess. was changed. I want to know what the, well, the lyrics I, were before they were changed. What I'm thinking is, is that there was the original version... There was the version that Mulder worked on where they had to change it. So they had to bring in some of those Mm. organic sounds. And then possibly they rewrote that, the ending of that version. Yeah. So there are three. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I meant. Okay. You kind of confused me. No, I'm just saying I was curious, like, what was the ending like? You mentioned they had to change the lyrics. And it's much more confrontational right. now. What so, was it like before it was confrontational? Yeah. Is it a little more nice? Did it fade out? Did it have a hard stop? Like, what was it, it? There probably was a hard stop, knowing the way Trent works. There is, like, on the deviations. I won't talk about deviations all the time, but it, it ends on a long synthesizer sequence rather than the way it ends on the album. It's weird. So just a couple more notes that uh, Christopher gave us about just some of the sounds. Um, he found a Q&A on ProSound Web with Mulder, and this is the sound of the, the drums on Somewhat Damaged. And Mulder says, the kick on Somewhat Damaged is a combination of organic and sample. We built a tiny drum booth in the garage at Nothing Studios that nice. could just fit a drum kit, and the ceiling was just high enough to play without hitting the roof too often with the sticks. This is a tiny garage. <laughs> I know. The floor, walls, and ceiling were covered in carpet, so it was very, very dead. They built a tiny little booth inside the garage. That's what it sounds like. Combined with that, the drums were tuned very low, and tea towels put on the snare and toms. Trent played the kit, and we added a very hard kick that was originally one Trent sampled on his Emacs, so it had a lot of that gritty dirt. This is classic Trent stuff. You need a harder hit, just add add a fake drum to the real drums. We heard it in Piggy, um, a bunch of other stuff probably. But yeah, I can hear that. Yeah. So here is uh, Charlie Klauser talking about it, and this is from a Gearspace discussion board. And he said... During one lull in the multi-year recording process, when Trent was otherwise occupied, I set up the black Tama kit. Tama? Tama is a drum manufacturer. Okay, I was hardware, making sure that I was hardware, pronouncing it right. Shells. I assumed it was drum. Tama, <laughs> I, I believe, is what Lars Ulrich plays. Ah, okay. So I set up the black Tama kit that Trent had used all the way back on the downward spiral. The kit had trashed heads, and I set it up in the awful-sounding rehearsal room and then out in the parking garage that was full of road cases. I also set up some drum pads to trigger an Akai sampler and had my, this is the funniest name for any piece of equipment ever, my Quasi-Midi Revolution 309. How is that a real thing? I thought you were going to say Swollen Pickle. <laughs> what? I think the Swollen Pickle is uh, like a boutique guitar um, pedal, which all have dumb names. But anyway, the thing you just said sounds like something Clouser made up, but maybe I'm wrong there. It sounds like something that Rocco would buy on Rocco's Modern Life <laughs> off TV. God. Yeah. And then it like takes over his life. Exactly. Can you say it again? Quasi-Midi Rave-O-Lucian 309. <laughs> That's the most 90s thing anyone ever said. <laughs> okay. So he had that set up as well, going through the rehearsal PA system. Alan mic'd it all up and re-recorded loops and single hits to DAT tape and stereo. I then chopped and mapped these samples into the sample cell and E4. This is, as much as they change, they also stay the same. This is the same method of drumming we saw on the downward spiral, just a little bit fancier, right? 
we were we did stereo one shots of i say we i'm in the band now of you know hitting a kick and a snare in the dining room of the tate house and then they just keep that sound file and they load it into samplers and trent plays it by hand with a keyboard or whatever or i don't know maybe bangs it out right on the akai sampler um this is pretty much the same method if it doesn't if it's not broke you know if it works he says there were some cool loops with me playing along with a programmed 309 part blasting through the pa system all distorting and woofy (laughs) the normal single hits from these recordings are what you hear on the verses and no you don't those dryish thwacking live drums that come in on the verse are those dat jam drums. Oh, hang on a second. Mm-hmm. No, you don't. The the live sounding stuff in the verses. That's interesting. Note that for later when we get to no, you don't, okay. and that may poo poo a theory. Okay, so those dryish thwacking live drums that come in on the verse are those dat jam drums. They sound exactly like that with no further processing. They're also in there on somewhat damaged. The mark has been made, hmm. just like you imagined, and a few others. Wow. So sorry, I touched upon a lot of uh, drum making sounds that wasn't yeah all related they're, to somewhat damaged, but they're all over. Yeah, so very illuminating. Yeah. Okay. So do we want to go ahead and listen to the song? Yeah. I'm gonna add another one play to that 8.2 million. Give Trent and Co. a give Danny Loner a royalty. <laughs> Trillionth of a cent. always thought it was a strange way to begin an album yeah you don't know what you're gonna get when you hear this do you no you have (laughs) no no idea (laughs) earthly clue it's it's gonna be like one of the most brutal songs we've heard by them thus far Mm -hmm. especially that outro but could have fooled me by the weird little strum thing. Also, strange time signature that is confusing on first listen. And that is meant to throw us off. It's in three. Love those little... The filtered... You could call it 9-4. I don't know what you call it. There's the water tank banging. Love it. Which we think is just a Nord lead. first lyrics got an AAAA rhyme scheme it just it gradually gets louder and noisier but we don't know how how brutal it's going to get just yet About to go nuts and now we're now we're in a four a four four wait maybe we're not <laughs> see no i feel like it's four always throwing us off though now it's even harsher a bass guitar has been added underneath not a synth an actual bass guitar which i'll play later Okay. 
screeching his goddamn lungs out. Like broken level. Yeah, it's very vocals. Yeah. And some of the darkest lyrics. Just like my sweatpants say. Mine too. The butt should say too fucked up to care anymore. <laughs> Maybe just too fucked up. Yeah. It's a lot of reading. Sharpening knives, this part. And then here comes the sword, the shiny sword. Wait for it. Did you ever think that? that I never sound did, but that's amazing. And now I will the rest of my life. It's like in a video game, you're holding up a sword. Yeah. So now we're in a definite, you know, 4 4. It's kind of fallen in line. That dark drone, I like that. Jess is screaming at me in pantomime. What were you telling me about the lyric here? You and me make, make it, it through. through. Yeah. That's repeated and we're in this together. I stopped you today and I was like, how many make it throughs are on this album? Blake's like, what? Well, he says, you know, you and me is how that chorus starts and we're in this together and then they also... We'll make it through somehow. Yeah, then the transition is like a sort of dissonant from one note to the next, but it it works. I caught that right at the. Yeah, you did. You got you, your trigger finger was was good there. Good job, me. I always wanted to be a DJ. I thought I'd be really good at timing things, but now that's dead, so it doesn't matter. And I guess maybe that's something that was added in the. Final version, uh, to, in the end, he apparently wanted to go, hey, you know that? Mm-hmm. It's an interesting way to go out. Well, what have you got for us? Do you have any clips? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't know. We're, we're both maybe not uh, lyrical analysts, but I have been noticing like the very first line of this album is so impressed with all you do right mm-hmm. so it's all it's like talking to someone and it's it's like a different vibe to start out on from downward spiral which started with i am the voice inside your head mm-hmm. so with that one it's like okay we're in for something very insular something very inward pointing all about me and in my head this this album i mean there's still a lot about me <laughs> But it's talking to someone a lot also. And it's not always easy to follow who it's talking to, but... Sometimes I almost feel like he's talking to himself. Maybe, yeah, I guess that could be the case. So it's still like completely inward looking. But I mean, the the fragile person, whoever that is, and we think it's a she because he does say she. But yeah, this, it's like, it starts out being a song about 
wanting to be like someone, um, but then it doesn't turn out so great. <laughs> we very, very disillusioned yeah, by. We very this quickly person. find out how bad it turns out mm-hmm. in that song and the following few. So anyway, okay. So first of all, I should point out there are no stems, there are no multi tracks, no matter what anyone tells you. There are no rock band uh, tracks. There's no rock band version of The Frail. I wish there was. Just a little piano solo. Mm -hmm. This would be a fun song on rock band. I'm going to try not to lean on this too much as a crutch, but sometimes it's interesting to use an AI splitter software to try to filter apart some of the elements. And sometimes it works well, sometimes it doesn't. Um, And... What I'm finding is I'm noticing things I never would have without doing using the AI splitter. And I want to give credit to the creator of this software, Melnick Dimitri, at vocalremover.org. Uh, but it does more than remove vocals. It can, it can split different instruments as well. So as I was saying, uh, with somewhat damage, the, there is a bass guitar I never knew about that comes in in like the second verse part where it noticeably gets kind of bigger, thicker. Uh, yeah, Jess is nodding her head. Um, darker. It's because there isn't really a real bass per se until this part. There's a lot of guitar and there's the, what me and the intern called the, the water tank pounding noise, mm-hmm. which we thought was a sample of someone pounding on a tank-like object, but I think Charlie Clauser said it was a Nord lead created and I slowed it down and I, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's just a, um, just a synthesizer that is really unique. It's, it's this thing that we're talking about. That's way slowed down. That kind of sounds like banging, but anyway, there's an actual bass guitar being played underneath the second verse part. I'm going to let it run for a minute because some interesting stuff happens that I never knew was going on. I just made a little mix here where I removed the loud guitar parts so you can hear a little bit more what's going on. Just shrieking. Yeah. So harsh. And as you can hear, a lot of digital artifacting. Very imperfect, this AI, but... So I'll try not to lean on it too much, but it can be interesting. Speaking of those harsh vocals, here's some isolated vocals from the beginning. So impressed with all you do Tried so hard to be like you Flew too high and burned away Lost my faith in everything Then it builds, uh, you know, he, he starts pretty mellow and builds until he's shrieking his lungs out And then back 
Off the side and far away is a place where I hide, where I stay. Tried to say, tried to ask, I needed to all alone by myself. Where were nice you? How there. could I ever think? It's funny how everything this world wouldn't change is different now. Just like you, what I will say, we'll make it through the night. Jesus. Going absolutely balls to the wall on that vocal take. Probably a combination of takes, but very good delivery there. I noticed with some drums, I think it sounded like there was breathing in there. It was like a kind of a sawing something or other that when I really isolated it, thought sounded more like a human breath manipulated. Really? I always thought it was like a weird saw. Yeah. Like I was pictured like a- Right, a saw, a saw motion. But do you hear the breathiness of it? Maybe it's like pitched down. Maybe. Well, maybe, just maybe. Harder version of the drums. And that includes the uh, the Nord lead water tank banging. Just some of the little... Um, little percussive. Yeah, elements, there's lots yeah. of like high pitch, clicky, shingy. Speaking of shing... <laughs> this is the sharpening my sharpest sword that always ever since I first heard this I was like what is that it could be a guitar feedback I don't know sounds like a sound effect from an anime or something um, and I called this cello perhaps I, I isolated some of the plinkies from the beginning so Imagine someone strumming a cello. I know nothing about these instruments, obviously, but maybe playing it in a way it was never meant to be. It does sound different than your average acoustic guitar. Well, that's why I asked you, like, are these in tune? Like, yeah, why, why, it, it why does this weird. feel off to me? Because yeah. I've always thought it was like acoustic it's guitar. Weird. Like if it was acoustic guitar, it would sound a little bit nicer and brighter. So that isn't either? I feel like there might be some acoustic guitar layered in there somewhere. There's layers to this. It's it's hard to deduce. And I am on a mission, by the way. This is like a white whale for me, the, these multi-tracks. I'm now putting out feelers into the recording industry for someone to illicitly, I shouldn't even say this publicly, but if someone were to leak them, that would be wrong. And I would have to turn them down. Fragile multi-tracks. Anyway... This is what I think is a ukulele at the beginning, possibly mandolin. Sounds ukulele-y to me, but... You almost hear the body of the uke when he... Seems more like a kid's toy instrument, right. which is... Not, I don't want to insult ukuleles, but a, that's... No, no, that's what they are. But I mean, really, you, can, but... you can use them to great effect, but... I was saying to Jess earlier, if it sounds more cheap, it's a uke. If it sounds a little more nice, it's a mandolin. 
it kind of blink there. Extreme vocals. What's this? Made the choice to go away. Drink the fountain of decay. Trent at his vocal peak. How bad would your voice hurt after this? So I brought up, there's the, there's more bass guitar at the end part that I never really paid enough attention to. It's really effective use of just one note. Then it really shocked me when it goes into the syncopated thing toward the end, which it'll get to here. Itself. Mm. I'll probably put that in the uh, opening mashup somewhere. I think that's all I had. I don't have that many clips for all of these, but a lot of interesting stuff I found. All right. Hope you enjoyed that. Did you enjoy that, Jess? I did. Our listeners tell us that they like Blake's Clips Corner. Yeah, and then they tell me they hate everything I do. No, they don't. And I go and I cry in my room. They say they like all the stuff that we don't like, like they're when Oscar makes noise and never shuts up. <laughs> they're like, we love that. Get that cat mic'd. We're going to do a cat mic when, when all Oscar episode is coming. It's going to be unlistenable. For patrons only. Okay. The day the world went away. Mm -hmm. So we talked about this quite a bit when we talked about Halo 13, but um, our intern found some other stuff that I thought I would share as I play this quietly in the background. And sure. if you have anything else you want to add, and maybe we can talk about some of the lyrics a little bit in this one. Yeah. So just a few things to talk about with the day the world went away. And yeah, see our Halo 13 episode for more info. If you want to know the Spotify plays, there's 7.6 million. So there <laughs> you go. So um, the origins of The Day the World Went Away, according to Alan Mulder, and this is from the Fragile Tour book. And Mulder said, As my time on the album spanned over two years, it is difficult to describe a typical day, since that varied as we progressed. At the beginning, though, there were different types of days depending upon how Trent was feeling. At this stage, a lot of time was spent writing and creating songs. Obviously, it is impossible for anybody to be in songwriting mode every day without going stale. So, to keep creativity up and vary things a little, we would have art days, as they were referred to. Finger painting. <laughs> they made handprint turkeys. It was so cute. <laughs> for Thanksgiving, just 
decorated nothing studios with yeah they did yarn art (laughs) clay these art days would involve forgetting about being tied down to creating within the usual song structure and trent would do anything that his mood took Good examples of some things that came out of that way were, of working were La Mer and The Day the World Went Away. Yeah, those two songs are very unstructured, or at least they don't have a traditional structure. This has like no song structure that we recognize. Somehow it's a single. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but exactly. it just kind of goes wherever he wants it to go. Yeah. In the June 2000 issue of Guitar World, there was more info about how the guitar sounds were recorded and processed. So many guitar tracks went through another processing stage after being recorded and layered. For this, Reznor often used devices like the Virus by Music Access Electronics and the Mutronics Mutator, both of which allow any audio signal to be passed through a bank of analog synth-style filters. The one-note drone heard in the verses to The Day the World Went Away sounds like an analog synth with a bad case of oscillator drift, but it's actually layered guitars processed through the mutator. An old Roland chorus echo with a broken motor was another prime source of strange, wobbly tones. Everything is always broken. It's always the synthesizer was faulty. <laughs> uh, you know, I got it wet, or the the reverb had a bad motor. It just adds to those sounds of, you know, things falling apart that Reznor That's wanted. Right. That's how he likes it. Yep. Probably breaks him on purpose. <laughs> so from the same issue of Guitar World, um, typically Reznor would record multiple takes of any given track into Pro Tools, often working in loop recording mode. He generally sat at the control room console playing guitar while Alan Mulder manipulated effects controls in real time, and programmer Keith Hillebrandt wrote down the bar numbers where things started sounding cool. The multiple guitar takes were then layered up using Pro Tools cut and paste facilities. That, for example, is how the distress power recording on The Day the World Went Away was achieved. Yeah, it sounds about like 500 layers of guitar on top of each other. That tracks. I bet they just looped this all day long, a full 12 hour day <laughs> of just getting these tones, and you end up with just chorus of army of guitars almost. An army of vocals on top of that. Just a mountain of sound crushing yeah, that you. That wall of people used to say Trent Reznor's wall of sound a lot. And even without drums, this song kind it's just of just like Phil Spector, that. for real. Just like Phil Spector with the. Uh, the Ronettes and no. The Crystals. Right. Yeah, the Wall of Sound of Spectre was like this very specific studio technique, but has nothing to do with the Resner method. There should be a Resner method. He should have a book. There should be. So we went over your clips corner, I guess, on Halo 13. So we don't really need to do I that have, here unless uh, you have more stuff yeah, you want to share. Yeah, I have a few okay. new, uncovered a few new things because I found this AI splitter in between the two, you know? So I think on the Halo 13 episode, I talked about about the hidden beat, but I was able to isolate it further and just get the kind of the beat by itself. And this is at three times speed. There is a hidden electronic beat of sorts underneath that wobbly drone, the, the mutator drone. And this is what it sounds like, sped up times three. (laughs) 
intern pointed out, it sounded like it could have been something uh, Hillebrandt, Keith Hillebrandt provided from his library of like found, uh, created sounds and loops called Diffusion of Useful Noise. And then he sent me that sound file library and it's got, it's full of amazing stuff. Yeah, I came in here and Blake was playing with that. I'm like, what are yeah, you Yeah, it's all these weird beats that kind of sound like that. I yeah. don't know if it's... And we'll talk more that, about but... Keith Hillebrand. We'll have a um, bonus yeah. episode about like different um, contributions well, to the album. All Keith. <laughs> uh, okay, let's see what else I found here. Oh, isolated vocals. I listen to the words he'd say. Not perfect, but... But in his voice, I heard decay. Better than not having anything. The plastic face forced to portray... Still a really nice performance. Of the inside. Totally different from the performance on... Uh, cold and gray. On the single version. There is a place that still... You can hear that really affected remains. double come in. It eats the fear. It eats the pain. The sweetest price you'll have to pay. The day the whole world went away. I do think I prefer how it is on quiet and how they do it live, how we saw them do it live. Did we mention we saw all four of these songs live? We did. Yeah, we did. Because they love to play the first four songs and they don't like to play the rest. Um, but when he goes up on the word pay, mm-hmm. sweet as price, he'll have to pay. I like that. Um, yeah, now he's talking about some dude. Like, who is this guy? I listen to the words he'd say. This is. A I different have guy. I have thoughts. Could be talking about himself again. Is that your thought? No, actually, no. I don't think so. Um, people have always said that this is about his uh, grandmother mm-hmm. who died, um, who helped raise him. So very close to her. Um, like a song of mourning. It's a mourning song. I feel like maybe it's about the experience at the funeral. Maybe. Mm. Um, mm. If you think about it, it's someone who is delivering like a eulogy. Yeah, now I get it. Uh, He's done it so many times. Like his face is just kind of expressionless, you know, going through the motions. This is kind of his job, but. I can't believe I never thought of this. I'm so dumb, (laughs) (laughs) but it all makes sense. Yeah. I don't know. I've unfortunately gone to a lot of funerals. Or, you know, I, we don't know if he talked at his own grandmother's funeral, but he also could be looking at himself from like out of body and being like, yeah, I'm listening to the words that, that he's saying, but his face is saying something else. There's decay in there, mm-hmm. cold and gray on the inside. Decay, like what, a voice cracking, maybe in mm, emotion, maybe, maybe or betraying or just, a little bit of emotion, even though their face is yeah is stoic, I guess, or then expressionless in a way. The sweetest price he'll have to pay, and like the day the world went away could be could mean the day you lose someone that's really important or the day you die yeah but okay that makes a lot more sense now that you put it that way i can't believe i never thought of that mm-hmm. i think that's a good interpretation of it 
and I've been to funerals and I've been to uncomfortable ones. None of them are comfortable, but some less comfortable than others. So I, I kind of get, yeah, that makes sense. Um, there is a bass guitar doing something. I was not really noticed, kind of almost like a harmony at the end here. are happening. There's a little bass underneath. Distorted all to hell, of course. Probably going through that mutator. And that then, was interesting. Okay. What better to end on for this song than the na-na-nas themselves? Isolated as best I could. Oh, real quick. Kim Pravas, the uh, guest vocalist on the quiet version, which we talked about in Halo 13. Although her name is not in the liner notes for that, they did put her in the liner notes for the fragile album itself, you know, to at least give her credit there. When I isolated this, I, I swear toward the beginning of it, I can hear that same performance from her a little bit underneath, unless my ears are playing tricks on me. She could be in there. And this also includes, if you'll recall the, Buddha debutante choir. Mm -hmm. I think the the Kim vocals could also be underneath. I mean, there's so much going on, but you tell me. Here it is. Debutantes sound pretty nice. Man, I wish I were a drunk chick in New Orleans on the night this was recorded. Right. Right place, right time. (laughs) And then it cuts off. I would kill for the actual multi-tracks but he yeah, has that's said all this I got multiple times folks he would I'm literally sorry. murder uh, for those multi-tracks gotta bleep that all out i can't, <laughs> I can't be saying that <laughs> okay so why don't we take a break and when we come back we'll talk about the frail and the wretched We're back. Did you have a good break? I had a great break, but <laughs> the album gives us no break. It's straight from the day the world went away into the frail. That's right. The frail. Um, 4.3 million Spotify plays. Not enough. Not very many. Well, that, I mean, that's a lot, obviously, but <laughs> not enough for how uh, beloved this song is amongst fans. Uh, yeah. Uh, it's strange how... Important. It was important to me, I feel like, when I was first getting into this band, because it was just like such a simple thing that I can play it on piano. 
Mm-hmm. And I don't even know what I'm doing. <laughs> just like two notes at a time. It's like minimalism. Yeah. I think it was such a simple thing that I never really paid attention to it. <laughs> I, I mean, I'll just admit it right now. Like The Frail and The Wretched yeah. when I first got this album were not my favorites. Oh, I would always love The Frail. Uh, I'm more into The Wretched these last few days listening to it. I'm like, the, I, I see the appeal here. Well, I think seeing the wretched live like really yeah. did it for me but live i mean wretched. i've always liked it but it's just took it to a different level I live guess. it's a very different experience and mm-hmm. we'll talk about details why but it's a lot different on record than it is performed live yeah so the frail um when i first got this album i have this uh thing i do where well, I did this when I was younger. I don't really do it like this anymore. And I'm listening to something for the first time. Mm-hmm. But I would just put on like my Discman and just lay down in bed and absorb the record. I did that with, especially with Nine Inch Nails. And I wouldn't look at track listings at all. So for a long time, well, not a long time, but for a brief period, I thought this was just an intro to The oh, Wretched. It kind of sounds like it could or should be an intro to The Fragile. <laughs> But yeah, it's a songlet or a a small instrumental composition. It's one of a handful of instrumentals on this record. Mm-hmm. And it's really just a little offspring of a bigger song. But we'll it's, get into that in a second. It's funny that the Fragile's little offspring here uh, is maybe more beloved, definitely played live far far more than the song it was birthed from. Well, this is the most played instrumental. Um, it's been played at least 387 times. Um, that's more than La Mer, even, obviously, what? if it's the yeah. most played instrumental. So whenever it's played live, it's normally followed by The Wretched, just mm-hmm. like it is on the album. But that song has been played 50 times more than The Wretched. So obviously it's following. Yeah. Other songs are following it. They've done some curveballs. Yeah. Uh, they've done interesting things with it, but it, it goes perfectly into the wretched, the way it transitions. Yeah. So it's also been, um, performed live to lead into the good soldier, uh, closer. Yeah. Oh, weird. Yeah. Reptile. La Mer. <laughs> and weird. metal. Oh, weird. Yeah. Didn't it also These are go from into the intern's notes? So I feel like it did into love is not enough before. I mean, it probably has. Is the coolest one to me. Let's talk a little bit about this song, Blake. Do you want me to yeah. play it first, and then we'll dive into yeah. more about an, it? You know, it's just brief, but I don't, I don't know what we'll say over it, but go ahead. Okay. So nothing but piano, but it does start with very faint, uh, the Trent vocal pads. I have a clip for it later. And this is a motif. That's right. Downward Spiral has a motif and so does the Fragile. Listen to this album for the first time. Do you think you'd, well, 
when you did were you just like what is a lot of people might have been like what is this but I guess you just thought it was an intro Mm -hmm. doesn't seem like part of the wretched I mean but they've been known to throw curveballs at us they go together well but the mood is entirely different it's almost it's almost like there's frail little bit of hope vocal pads coming way up. I have a different theory about the title. Okay. I would like to hear it. Bunch of Trent harmonies there. Sampling his own voice. What I've heard has been done here. And then it goes right into the wretched. So let's talk about where this song came from before we go into your clips corner. Yeah, how was... The Frail Born. So The Frail was actually born from a remix of The Fragile that was done by Keith Hillebrand. Keith. And this was called The Deconstructed Mix. And as far as I know, has it ever been released officially? It was released officially only on the Nin.com website. Okay. As far as I know, it was a download there. It wasn't put on any record or anything. Now you have to find it from like, just like, fans uploading it to youtube yeah so do you want to play the section of that remix so like a a lot of keith hillebrand stuff the deconstructed remix is more about getting unusual and interesting soundscapes than it is about creating catchy songs or anything it's very like loud and then quiet and not easy to listen to, but then this the the piano section comes in to sort of represent the guitar solo, and it's the most interesting part, I think, and clearly Trent thought so too. But here's the context for it. Sounds familiar. Yeah, he's just on piano. He's just following along what the Trent guitar solo on the Fragile does. Apparently Trent was just like, I dig that. Yeah, you hear the vocal, chorus vocals come in there. You hear the guitar solo kind of fade in as well. Deconstructed was a good title for the remix. Yeah, it really uh, is. It, it really is. He took it apart. So my theory on the title is that frail is a synonym for fragile. I yeah, I, I think that. <laughs> that's where. Uh, that's probably correct. The title came from. But I don't know. What did you say? It's just kind of in line with the album, like the frail, the wretched, and then later the fragile, which is course the title of the whole thing i did have some real quick when i talked about the vocal pads created from 
samples of Trent's own voice, just going, ah. Mm -hmm. Here's what it sounds like in the beginning. It kind of starts really buried in the mix. You have to turn it way up to here, and then it fades out entirely, and it's just piano. But I kind of cranked it up here. You could almost mistake it for a, the buzzing or the... from those vocal samples at the end I created a infinite loop of just the vocals just the Trent oohs and ahs toward the end what we hear as it leads into the wretched just kind of rings out like this for a while It'd be cool to make a song entirely out of this loop So you were the one who told me that this takes some inspiration from David Bowie. I mean, possibly. Um, or comparisons were drawn by someone else. Or... Yeah, yeah. I mean, on NI and Wiki, they talk about this. And I was, you know, I was like, oh, yeah, I can totally hear this. And I don't know why I never thought about it before. But there's some like a, a progression that comes in that's deeper and some people have pointed out that it might be kind of based on or in tribute to um, Bowie Subterraneans from Low. Yeah. So, yeah, compare the two. Like, especially they, they both have a baseline that's like four ascending notes. And then Subterraneans does have a fifth that sometimes comes in. But here's what that sounds like in the Bowie song. And another similarity is just all the ambient pad sounds in the background, including, um, well, here's some of that. Some droning harmonies. And then he even uses his own voice as sort of a harmonic pad here. It's a pretty cool little doubled vocal part there. Yeah, compare the bomb, 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 bomb. It's I even wrote it down. It's not the same. It's subterraneans is B, C sharp, D, E, and then goes up to F sharp, and the frail is D, D sharp, F, G. But compare to But yeah, so similarities, but not not sampling or any direct lifting, I don't think. Not like uh, a warm place where it was almost spot on. Hmm. Okay, well. The people demand it. A fan favorite. <laughs> Let's get to that wretched. So the wretched, uh, 7.1 million Spotify plays. People like to, to bang that one out. Yep. So... Blake, what are your thoughts on The Wretched? Um, I have several thoughts. I really like it. It's not one that comes to mind in a top five or ten, although it's it's like, I know it's some people's like favorite song, like favorite men song period. Um, but the more I listen closely, the more I'm really into it. Uh, it's, it's at this one constant drone for like the entire thing, just that throbbing, drum and bass uh, synth bass line 
but it also, you know, the dynamics are loud and soft and it's hard to describe why it's good. Even it's a mashup of very electronic and then super metal guitar riffs. (laughs) Um, and then one of the most rock and roll guitar solos Trent Reznor will ever dare to play. Um, at least I'm pretty sure it's him playing it. No other credit is given, but I noted, especially going through and listening to like isolated, the AI split stuff. There are no real drums on this song, which is weird. Cause it feels very, it feels like a rock song, a metal and, song, yeah, it, but it's, it's just this throbbing drum machine with a delay on it. Um, I noted there are zero crash symbols, really zero symbols. So like even leading into a big chorus, you think a crash symbol is coming, right? Cause that heavy ass guitar riff is about to hit, but Nope. It all relies on the power of the guitar riff hitting. Uh, and it's a thing Trent Reznor does from time to time where he'll just be like, I'm not using crash cymbals. Um, they were all over with teeth, and that's Dave Grohl's fault. Year zero, there's not one crash cymbal on the album, and I defy anyone to find one. And <laughs> it's purposeful. He'll he'll just go through phases where there, it's almost like a challenge to oneself, you know? make a part come in and be dramatic without relying on that crash. A crash, especially if done with a fake, you know, drum machine sequenced can get cheesy. Anyway, all that to say zero real drums. It's possible there are samples thrown in like the chorus of sequenced Tom hits. And there are some shinier, more high pitched things in the final chorus that could be a mistaken for symbols. Anyway, live, it's, of course, live drums crashes all over the place and that it well, gives it... Rock your fucking face Yeah, off. it bumps the energy up by about <laughs> 10 times and that's why people fucking go nuts for it live. Um, but it's still really awesome on the record. Uh, it, it's just, it's a cool experimental thing to do a totally electro rhythm section and a totally metal, uh, you know, guitar line throughout and then the the vocals are some of the most tortured shit you'd ever imagine so yeah that's my thoughts on it i don't know what are yours it's never like i said like this was never one of my favorite songs um on the fragile i don't know why but i just never there was something off-putting about it to me i i can't quite explain what it is it doesn't mean i don't like it that's not what i'm trying to say at all it just was not one of my favorites. Um, yeah. But after experiencing it live, I'm like, it might have crept up there suddenly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, as one of my favorites on this album. Mm-hmm. But yeah, um, I don't think I really could get into this one for some reason. It felt really cold to me. <laughs> it is cold, though. Yeah. I think that's on purpose. Yeah. It's there was just... so much coldness <laughs> in yeah. these these first like four songs. Especially or... that beat yeah. is just... For the whole time. And it's slow, sludgy. Actually, the frail doesn't really have coldness. It has the little bit of spark of warmth. There's a sparkle and an icy shimmer to it. Yeah. Yeah. It's frail. (laughs) It is. But yeah, I just never really, I don't know why, never really got into it. It might have been something to do with his voice. You don't like the screaming and the the torture lyrics? No, I like the pre-chorus and I like the chorus. I don't mm-hmm. know if I like his delivery in the verses so much. 
even the part about sky cracking open and God reaching his hand in and smacking you on the ass or whatever it is. <laughs> I, think, I think it's God will smack your ass or whatever Trent said. And then push your face and shit and piss. <laughs> Anything that mentions shit and piss at the same time is going to get me. <laughs> it's got my heart. So uh, just a little bit of tidbits about this song. Gary Newman has listed it as one of his favorites, along with Head Like a Hole and Closer. So that's really <laughs> strange. <laughs> one slightly deeper cut and then the two biggest hits. Um, in a Reddit conversation, Klauser also said that The Wretched is his favorite on The Fragile. He said, something about that hypnotic drum machine groove with the echo and the mega riff of the chorus all adds up to awesome in my book. Yeah. It does. So let's talk a little bit maybe about the sound. Keith Hillebrandt, and then intern wrote this in his notes that his handiwork is really used a lot throughout the fragile. Yeah. Um, so for example, there's a shrieking sound in the verse of the wretched that kind of peels off into this odd stereo space. I believe these are Chris's words that I'm reading. Um, and in Keyboard Magazine... Hillebrandt said that the sound in The Wretched, the very sharp stereo peeling out sound, was created in TurboSynth using the diffuser mode, which actually turned out to be a great device for creating unique stereo effects. I remember TurboSynth as a digi-design software also used on the downward spiral. And he liked to, I think he, well, he put like everything in there, including guitars and manipulated it within that software. Yeah. And then in the same keyboard, interview Hillebrandt said that Trent used a Nord lead on almost every song. What's that? What's a Nord lead? A Nord lead is a digital synthesizer that now this is where my knowledge is limited somewhat, but it's like analog. They call it virtual analog. So it's like a digital synthesizer that is made to act like an analog synthesizer, but it's okay. not really analog. Anyway, it was just his pet keyboard at this time i guess they were just liking the sounds that they were getting out of it yeah he said um there wasn't any real definitive synth bass i mean we used the mini moog we used the nord and we used the novation bass station on the wretched hmm. so there was nothing definitive the novation bass station i believe that one's an analog one it's just a little synthesizer that does nothing but make bass sounds um, and of course, the Mini Moog, uh, legendary analog synth. Uh, didn't know the Mini Moog was something Trent used, but that's pretty cool. I, I would love to have one of those. One of my favorite synth sounds. Early 70s, Kraftwerk popularized it, I think. Autobahn was almost entirely a Mini Moog. Anyway. How about I go ahead and play it, and then we can just talk a little bit more. Yeah. drone thudding plodding the delay the vocal delay does so much work in this song everything is repeated love the k k k yeah that's okay. a good detail love the scary piano <laughs> and like yeah, the verse is so not metal. It's like spooky electro goth. 
cool guitar riff right there, though. Spooky electro goth is my favorite there, genre. You can hear that high peeling uh, screech sound there. I think I like the lyrics in this one. No crash, but still a lot of power. Same drums. A little bit of tom sample was added. That's all. Love the vocal harmonies as well. Very, very powerful. And then he's like screaming in the background too. That really high shriek. darkest moment of the album <laughs> if you thought somewhat damaged was brutal what do you think this song's about lyrically again it's, it's talking to someone more than it is talking about I or me you're one of us now. You're the wretched. Hopes are being dashed. That guitar line that comes in there. That. This guitar line that's distorted all to hell. We probably had fun creating that. Yeah. And then some more pluckies are coming up. You gotta have ukulele plucks. Possibly mandolin. I will say, I love the plucks. I like the plucks too, and then they come back at the end. Oh, listen, listen to the whispers. You know those? You don't know the whispers? Tell me about these whispers. You don't hear the little person talking? No, I heard it. Okay. But I just didn't know what it, like, what is it? It's radio interference. I, I spent a long time trying to figure out what was being said. But then, in turn, found yeah. an article. Yeah, so the bridge of the song contains a sample of radio interference that was often confused with whispered lyrics. Yeah, thought it was a secret message, but it was nothing. Yeah. 
and Sarah, I think we talked over the whole... Uh, I do have a clip of the guitar solo, which I'll play by itself, because it's worth talking about. The plucks, the plucks lead us into... I was wondering if the Spotify version would take us right into... Oh, do you mean to play it? Uh, yeah, what happens if you keep going? the next song start to come in you think that was the noise that never mind we'll talk about it next time okay um yeah um the cd version that i uh grew up with it leads right into we're in this together uh vinyl of course has many different transitions the side has to end so the plucks uh are the end of that side right in if you think it's ukulele mandolin or something else I, i'd like to know so I did come up with some interesting clips. Clippies. Remember Clippy, the paperclip? I do remember Clippy. <laughs> I'm that old. I remember a real Clippy. I think, I think I spent a lot of time with the vocal splitter trying to isolate the little radio interference chatter. Because I was a dumbass thinking it was important. <laughs> I like slowed it down. <laughs> I wrote, I called this, you're taken in the stars. Because that's what it sounds like someone's saying. Ooh, it does sound like that. <laughs> no earthly clue. Interesting. Doesn't matter. So the drums. Simple. It's a good group. Delayed electro drum. Stays the same for the whole song. And some vocals from the verse. I should point out second verse, the okay. the uh, more where the hopelessness really sets in. Back at the beginning, sinking, spinning, spinning, I like how he goes up here, ascending. I love this effect. Oof. There's so much going on vocal performance-wise. I didn't notice it maybe the first 10 times listening to the song, but when he says, and you could be, um, and then it, like the, some digital noise like eats the end of his line. Um, and I just think that's so cool. It's like taking away his last bit of hope eaten by the machine. Um, you know, how Nine Inch Nails is that? <laughs> Some of the stuff I forget what it is. I called this awesome vocals. <laughs> Humor me here. I'm... These are awesome vocals, Blake. Okay, thank you. Oh, it's the effect I like. Now! 
um, bridge sounds. It's just the pluckies a little more isolated. Whenever I hear pluckies, I always think of reptile too. My uh, other, yeah, the other good plucky song. The beginning. I think it's more likely that 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 one is reptile is like a a synth that sounds plucked. Sounds but, plinky plucky. And this is more likely an acoustic instrument. Uh, the final chorus vocals by themselves. Because there's so much going on. What you saying there? Get it? <laughs> that, that trails off at the end there. Then the guitars, uh, guitar solo. I said ruiner vibes because, like, I was reading something that's like this. You know, this album it has like guitar solos and everything on it. Like, it's not what you expect from Nine Inch Nails, a, a not a guitar solo-y band at all. But there are exceptions, like the song Ruiner, where he gets real rock and roll, almost like a parody of rock and roll with his Pink Floyd. Uh, well, it's kind of like riffing on Comfortably Numb. Um, anyway, this kind of like that, but way more uh, harsh. But it's classic rock, you know? Like, it, it lends credence to that, the theory of the fragile being the end of the classic rock era. Anyway. <laughs> Quite a thing. Um, lots of wah pedal and then distorted within an inch of its life. And God knows what other effects, you know. Maybe more fun with the Mutron and the whatever else you said earlier that I forgot. <laughs> but that, yeah, that's all I had for it. That's all you have? Mm -hmm. Um, One more thing. We're talking about the drum pattern on the Wretched. Yeah. So from... That Gearspace discussion board, um, Klauser said that the drum pattern came from a version of Rebirth that was modded in-house by Steve Duda to mm. have our own samples on it. Yeah, I read this. This was before Rebirth mods were possible, so Duda hacked into the code <laughs> and found where the samples were stored and figured out how to let us put our own drum samples in there. The dotted eighth note delay on the pattern is the built-in delay in Rebirth. So Yeah, that may not mean a lot too many people but it is interesting like now you just take for granted with any software sampler you can put whatever samples you want mm -hmm. generally but like the, the links they went to you know hacking the code to yeah. add their own well to samples. get steve duda like he was a support person at digidesign yeah they like Avid. stole him yeah. away and so whenever klauser was having issues with like the pro tools hardware or sample cell calls or whatever this was the guy he almost always talked to mm -hmm. and they got along and eventually trent was like just hire this guy move to new orleans and he's gonna be our tech guy like and then 
Pro Tools is all pissed yeah. off at Trent Reznor for stealing their the best guy. Yeah, and I'll just I'll talk about Duda more whenever we do our collaborators thing and all the fun things that he did. The way um, it might have been is either Danny Loner or Kevin Key. The way probably Danny Loner. I think he pronounced it Duda, which I thought was funny. Oh, is it Duda? <laughs> I feel like or Duda. Duda. I always said Duda. I I feel like Duda can't really be a name, but <laughs> it makes me think it's like a. We'll find an Camp interview. Town races or something. Yeah. <laughs> Camp town races ass motherfucker. <laughs> um, so this song, though, has been used in various things. Oh, yeah. So it was used in Man on Fire. Man on Fire? Yeah, that that's a Denzel Washington uh, movie, right? Yeah, I, I barely recall it. And then it was also used in the trailer for Batman Arkham Knight. Um, Reznor was a musical consultant for the trailer, not for the <laughs> yeah. game, for yeah. the trailer from what I found. So I yeah, I vaguely recall watching that trailer too and this song being in it and I was like, what? I have the trailer pulled up. Play it. It's like a remix version. It doesn't have the drums. Now it does. Yeah. <laughs> What's happening on the screen? Is Batman beating people up? It's a lot of like firefighters and shit. Uh. Be selfless. Firefighter running into a home. <laughs> Be determined. A sports star be courageous i never saw this trailer <laughs> i don't really remember it be the batman <laughs> of course now you know this is what it feels like to be the batman mm-hmm. rated m for mature yeah so six twenty three fifteen. they had to consult trent reznor to get his multi-tracks and have him Manipulate. I hope we got a good payday for that. Hope so. <laughs> that game made it a lot of fucking money. Uh, I, I remember it. you playing it. Yeah, I bought it. Yeah, it wasn't the song wasn't in the game, folks. So um, to talk about the lyrics a little bit, because you were kind of asking me what I thought it meant, and I mm-hmm. really don't have a good interpretation for you. I mean, my interpretation is probably the same as most people's. We did have um, Jacob, who is a listener and patron. Um, if you're in the Discord, you might know him as Van Dad. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, he sent me, I'm going to tell you right now, it's a nine-page PDF. Um, it's, it's a research paper. Kind of. It's an analysis of religious imagery in The Wretched. And I'm going to give like a, a highlight, I guess, of it. But what Jacob did here is he compared the lyrics of The Wretched to some psalms that he thought had a kind of similar meaning, especially in the God reached down. Mm-hmm. When like, I heard, you know, God's going to reach down and push you into the shit, mm-hmm. I was like, that's straight from the Bible. <laughs> exactly. And then also there was a um, a hymn called When He Reached Down His Hand For Me hmm. that has been around at least since 1948. And it's actually been... Recorded by Johnny Cash on oh. an album called Hymns from the Heart. 
1962. Is this also what the presence is based on in year zero? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> and so not knowing for sure what uh, Reznor's religious background is for certain, um, how much he was exposed to like any kind of evangelicalism or... I, I really don't know much about his spiritual It doesn't upbringing. seem like he was raised very religious. I, I would say he's probably raised normal religious, like most people, where... Yeah, just a maybe you baseline go to, amount. Yeah. I, I don't know, though. I have no idea. Um, I so you brought that up. Yeah. Um, so he can't, you know, for certain state that these items are for sure what Reznor was drawing parallels to mm. in this song, but there are some similarities in the fact that, here, I'll read um, some interpretations that he gave us. Mm. And one is that in Psalm 18 and 144, they use language of someone in need asking God for help, and God's respond is to personally um, bow the heavens and reach down to save them. Mm. And the hymn, When My Savior Reached Down for Me, paints a similar picture with the added dynamic of the speaker self-identifying as a wretched person. Oh, wow. While Reznor's The Wretched portrays someone who is called the wretched by the speaker and who tells this person that God will break the sky open just to further push them down into their despair. Kind of like a Job-type <laughs> character mm. almost, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so he's... Basically saying, you know, it's possible that there just are these thematic elements that kind of parallel there. And it's really interesting. I I feel weird reading entire psalms and lyrics to songs um, and boring people who are probably just like (laughs) doing their dishes. Um, But it's also possible he talks about how it could be like a cauldron of story. It's a phrase that Tolkien would use to speak about how stories come out of authors that have elements of previous works. So... Basically, it's just that it's possible that Reznor consumed a wide array of materials, religious and otherwise, over his work on this and other albums, but not include them consciously in the song. They were maybe Mm. just influenced by resting in his unconscious, but were never consciously Mm. included. But these were just some thoughts that he had and he wanted to share with me. I have the PDF. Um, If he's okay with it, I mean, I don't mind... We'll see if he well, wants it shared. Yeah, we'll see. He we might can't not read the want whole thing shared. on here, but it is nine pages long. Yeah, um, a lot of it is like the Bible verses and uh, the the hymn. Let me read at least the part where in the hymn where he talks about being wretched. Once my soul was astray from the heavenly way and was wretched and vile as could be, but my Savior and love gave me peace from above when He reached down His hand for me. So I feel like wretched, kind of the antithesis of that, like the complete opposite. Like wretched is a very biblical word, and it is a, right a hymnal word as well. I think it's in the song "Amazing Grace." The speaker calls himself a wretch, right? So yeah, I see, I see the parallels there. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's feasible. Yeah, um, and this was just honestly, I just gave kind of the high points. I hope I caught them all. But uh, he did say it was cool that I share this with you guys. I'm not sure if. Uh, he wants me to share the whole PDF. Um, that could be something I ask. And if it's cool, then I'll let Blake know. But yeah, just kind of an interesting little piece I read that was shared to us by Jacob. Thank you, Jacob. Who was a pastor, by Thank the you, way, Van just Dad. to let you know. Oh, yeah. So it's so he he's pastor's perspective. That's right. And I thought it would be interesting to have that kind of perspective because I don't have that perspective at all. And yes, there are pastors out there who listen to the satanic Nine Inch Nails music. <laughs> 
It happens. It does happen. Satan is sneaky, you know. <laughs> I wonder if he likes ghosts. <laughs> ah, maybe. I don't know. Anyway, thank you for that. Yeah, thank you very much. Thank and I'm you. sorry if I did it injustice. I'm sorry. I hope I hope I got your point across. But And thanks all listeners and patrons, of course, as always. Is this where we should wrap it up? Do we leave it there? And next time we come back strong with we're side uh side B wearing this together? Yeah, that I feel like that episode's gonna be very long and frustrating, just like the composing of that song. It's a hell of yeah. The composition well, of that song. Then it, that's apropos. <laughs> it's a hell of a side. So what are the next songs that we're covering? Oh, I'm not totally sure where that one ends, but we're in this together. Mm-hmm. The Fragile. And just like you imagined, is that on there as well? These are some of my faves, especially just like you imagined, which has always been like a top five Nen song for me. Wanted to hear it live, but didn't. The fragile title track I've always loved and thought was underrated, underplayed. I have a question, though, before you do mm-hmm. this. So we're going to be covering side B, which is we're in this together. The fragile, just like you imagined, and even deeper. Oh, okay. It also, yeah. e- This is a long side. And there's going to be a lot to talk about. So, oof, it's going to be a we're long in this episode. We're together a seven-minute song. Even deeper, like a six-minute song. Even deeper, I think, had the least amount of plays on Spotify. That's a shame. Mm. It's worth. Hey, guess more than what? That. We got to see that one live. That was the uh, the fifth fragile song. Other than the first four, they do sometimes play even deeper these days, and it was good. Surprise, surprise. Good. Okay, so that's our next episode. Our next bonus episode. I think that um, Chris and I were talking, and we're going to talk about kind of the build up to the release of the fragile. I think there was a lot of anticipation. Mm. Um, there were fake leaks of songs Uh, yeah so we could (laughs) spend hours talking about these fake leaks and all this lore yes and then there was the uh, mtv vma performance which is Uh, very important i've been wanting to talk about that yeah and i thought that would be a good time to incorporate that um so and that'll be one week from this episode Mm -hmm. and if you want that bonus episode and there's like 30 of them now you can subscribe at patreon.com slash nailed pod do we have any new patrons that we need to think? Yeah, speaking of that, let's shout out some recently subscribed patrons. So shout out to Christine, to Lime, Ron, Ren, Ron and Ren, and if I hope I'm pronouncing this right, Alistair. Alistair? Alistair? No, Alistair. A-L-I-S-D-A-I-R. Oh. Cool. I, I can never remember if I'm repeating them, but if I repeat them, oh well. Resner Wave, um, Joseph, Jake, John, and James. I, I had to say these last four because they're all J's. Joseph, <laughs> Jake, John, and James. Thanks, everyone. Yeah, thank uh, you. And we're at 88 patrons. If we get to 100, our, our first patron goal is 100. If we reach that, uh, I will put out for free an album online of the mashups uh, that I do for this podcast. Very cool. And if we get to 500, I will get a nine inch nails tattoo and I'm, I'm going to have Tyler design it. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) he doesn't know this yet. (laughs) That would be cool. I wonder if he's ever done tattoos. Um, Mm, We'll collaborate. Thank you, Tyler, because he does our art 
And thank you to our intern, Christopher G. Brown. Thank you to our sustaining patrons, too. You're just as important as the of new Of course. Ones. All of our stuff is at nailedpod.com, including the merch store, where you can still get all the merch, the shirts, the hats, the bucket hats, the pillow. Someday condoms. We don't know what's going to go up we in that wanna store. We want to do get nailed condoms. And to whoever was passing out the condoms at the uh, Red Rocks show and other shows, thanks. I didn't get one. I wish I did, but... Yeah, send us some condoms. Send us some condoms. I think, patron, I was talking to someone about the condoms. We we might have a chance to get one. Nice. Yeah. I can put it with my health condoms. It's very exciting times. Oh, yeah. Condom collection. (laughs) So, what do you collect? You know, uh, band condoms. Just band condoms, dude. Condoms of my favorite bands. <laughs> well, I think that's about it. Four songs in a little over two hours. One of the songs was a tiny little short instrumental. I'd say that's uh, a good day's work there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for tuning in. Uh, catch you next time, I guess. And didn't that make you feel better? Better.